When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wrapping up the day's sporting issues deep into the night, this is Extra Time on SENZ. Eight o'clock, you're listening to SENZ. Telephone number is 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811. The lines are open. You can text us here on 8833. So we've just had half an hour dedicated to the Hurricanes and the last half an hour dedicated to the Blues. Big, big match Saturday night, isn't it? Huge game for both the Chiefs and the Blues. Blues have probably got more at stake. They really do need to win this one. They need to make a statement. They almost made a statement against the Crusaders, but like much of the Blues season, it was just missing that final touch, just losing those key moments. The ball perhaps didn't quite go their way. Stephen Perifetta, first 5-8. That's where Steve Devine thinks he'll play this weekend against the Chiefs when the team is named Bowden Barrett back to fullback. Don't disagree with it. I felt that Stephen Perifetta should have been given more opportunity last year for the All Blacks. I think he's a much better footballer than perhaps Ian Foster gave him credit for and perhaps maybe other people outside of the Blues and gave him credit for. But we find out in a cauldron, don't we, this week? This is where you find out how good these players are. To me, Bowden Barrett is a bit too inconsistent. Let him play at fullback, let him give him a little bit more room. 800 150 if you want to touch on that. Love to hear from some Chiefs fans. How big is this? Are we going to get a good crowd? Are we going to get that tribalism? Are we going to get that rivalry? I hope so. I mean, you know, being a Blues rugby fan and purely in the in a rugby fan sense, I f- find the whole Chiefs region just a little bit, from a rugby point of view, just a little bit backward. I can't stand the Crusaders. The village of the damned. I'm hoping by saying that I might rile a few of you up and we can get there. We can get it going and then we create that rivalry, create that tribalism and then we're all glued because you want to win and I want to see you miserable and you want to win and you want to see me miserable. Um, but the problem is I don't actually believe any of that anymore. I don't really believe the Chiefs are backwards and I don't really believe that the Crusaders are the village of the damned because the game is so sanitised now and there's just not enough narratives around them these days to spark the fire within that I once had, perhaps. Or maybe I've just got older and matured a bit more. 
0800-150811 is the number. Uh, just the Tom Robinson situation. I touched on this yesterday. Another player heading off to Japan. Don't you find this hypocritical? Here's Steve Hansen. He's out of the all-black environment now, and now he's pretty much really just out there encouraging experienced cusp of all-black selection players to head off to Japan. He hated it when he was all-black coach. Hated it. I remember the way, how badly he spoke of Charles Piatau. He wasn't impressed with Stephen Lewatur and he certainly wasn't impressed when Brad Shields disappeared. I find it almost treasonous, to be honest. I think you've been an all-black coach, you've been knighted by this country for services to rugby, a knighthood I don't believe you deserved. And then you're basically undermining the game in this country by encouraging them to come across to Japan for big bucks. 0800 150811 is the number if you do want to phone the programme. I'd love to hear from you. Um, Mark Reason, who is an opinion columnist for Stuff, wrote an article, and you sometimes wonder whether these guys would listen to your own show, but it seems to be a bit of a theme coming through, pretty much saying just how boring and how dull Super Rugby is and that the fans deserve more. And that's pretty much what we said yesterday. That's what we've been talking about. Let's get back to an NPC. There is just nothing riding on a lot of these Super Rugby games. A lot of them are just too predictable. Unlike the NRL, where any side can beat any side, and certainly unlike the English Premier League, where top teams can get tipped up by the bottom teams any time, any week, and it's what makes it so highly engaging, but also the discussion and, as we said, the narratives that surround those particular sports. We also are going to play an interview shortly that Mark Stafford did with David Moffat. David Moffat, former CEO of New Zealand Rugby. Some really interesting comments in it from David Moffat regarding the way New Zealand Rugby handle the media or the lack of transparency with the media. How they're a closed shop. They almost operate in, a, in an environment of paranoia and they treat the fans with disdain. And he's 100% spot on. So we're going to play that entire interview, and then I'd like to just see if you can get some discussion off it. Well done to Mark, and well done to the boys for that interview today. It's nice to have a former CEO just coming out and saying what a lot of us are thinking. I mean, I'm saying it, but I'm only one voice. It's nice to have maybe someone with a bit more credibility backing it up. You know, he mentions in the interview that you know, when we lost that Rugby World Cup in 2019, no one really seemed to care too much. Certainly not to the same degree as previous World Cups, like a nation mourned in 2007, a nation mourned in 2003, nation mourned in 1999. It was the end of the world. And how we've just become a little bit more complacent now. And I think part of that is, as we've alluded to, there's simply not the discussion anymore. There's just not that level of engagement in the media because no one's allowed to or the key broadcast partners are a PR firm and therefore complicit 
in providing anything exciting or anything for us to talk about around the water cooler. Rugby is no longer in the forefront of people's minds. And that was reinforced today by David Moffat in this interview. So we're going to play that for you in one moment. Uh, the other thing too, and I mentioned this late last night, just want to, I'd love to hear from someone that's competed in Rowing's Marty Cup, just changing context completely. Anybody that's competed in the Marty Cup, I, I'm going down Friday morning to Carapero. Um, it's arguably the most prestigious uh, trophy in secondary school sport. It's it's a regatta though. There are a lot of other trophies up for grabs, single skulls, um, um you know, lightweight skulls, the double skulls, all that sort of stuff. But it all culminates on Saturday afternoon at 5 o'clock with the under-18 men's eight. But it's a huge regatta. It's the largest secondary school regatta in the Southern Hemisphere or largest secondary school sports event in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, just anybody that's competed in, I just want to gain some sort of understanding of what you made of it, how much you enjoyed it, how much you hated it, uh, when you look back and reflect on your time at school. Um... Because only often after you leave school that you do look back on those moments with great fondness. You know, you're basically on a school camp for five or six days where the focus is rowing. So, yeah, if you just want to talk to me about your Marty, your Aeon Marty Regatta, as they now call it, 0800 150811, Texas here on double eight double three. We'll take a break. The phones don't light up. We'll bring you that interview that Mark Stafford did with David Moffat. It is 13 minutes after 8. You're listening to SENZ. So earlier today, Mark Stafford caught up with former New Zealand rugby CEO David Moffat. And he started asking David about the strategy with Japanese clubs recruiting New Zealand players. It is. It's changing quite dramatically, actually. I I have quite a lot to do with Robbie Deans and who's up there coaching Saitama Wild Knights and once again they're doing very well they're 13 a day and you can only have three former test players playing um, in your squad and you can only have four uh, overseas players playing in in your bigger squad and for any game but there are some teams that uh, are stacking their, their their overall squad with with a lot more overseas players and a lot of overseas players that um, are not at the back end of their career the players that you mentioned earlier Mm. and the reason for that is that Japan's decided they want players to go and play in Japan who are committed to Japanese rugby Mm -hmm. maybe not to play for the Japanese national team but quite often that does happen Um, but the, the game there has changed as well it's no longer an easy ride up in Japan. I mean, if you were to speak to players that have been up there recently and come back, it's tough. Mm. It's become a really tough competition. And um, and in it, with that comes the, the need to have players of quality and players that have got quite a few years left in them. And that's why you're seeing the guys like Tom Robinson go up there. Yeah, because I, I felt like when it started happening with these marquees and New Zealand rugby labelled it sabbatical um, and players were getting a million dollars for a shortened season, etc., and they'd come back to New Zealand and they were off the boil for a while. If I was Japanese rugby, I would do exactly what you're intimating they are going to be doing. And I mentioned players, non-All Blacks, haven't made the All Blacks, haven't made squads yet, but good young yeah. players like like Cam Roygaard, like Ruben Love, uh, like George Bell, these types of guys who are early 20s, um, 
they'd be attractive to Japanese clubs, but what is Japanese rugby goal with these guys? Is it to make Japanese international players? Because I know um, they would probably would rather Japanese nationals play for their national team rather than imports that do a three-year naturalisation process. What, what do you think the squads will look like in the coming years? Oh, I think they'll have some non-Japanese players in them or continue to do so. I mean, and it's not just New Zealand players that are going up there. You, you may remember Corn Nelson, mm-hmm. um, who scored four tries against the, uh, against the All Blacks at Eden Park. His son is up there playing Saitama Wild Nights, and he's chosen to go and play there, and I'm pretty sure he's in the Japanese national team. Or if he's not, he's very close to making it. And so they are looking for players who are, who are going to commit to Japan. And they, of course, will will want to bring on um, Japanese players. I mean, Robbie Deans has had a lot of success by actually bringing on Japanese players, and they stand at the top of the table. Uh, and he's he's got a slightly different philosophy, and that is that you can coach Japanese players to be really good rugby players, um, but you also need an influx of um, Players that have that have you know been brought up in let's say New Zealand, South Africa, or, or Australia. Um, not too many Northern Hemisphere players end up in Japan, but I think that's about to change as well. I've noticed that a couple of Welsh players are going there. The Welsh rugby is in such a dire strait at mm. the moment, um, and and so yeah, J- Japan rugby is is a real force to be reckoned with actually in the professional game. I opened the show, David, we're talking to David Moffat at the moment, um, about Steve Hansen's reaction when he was all-black coach, his reaction when Brad Shields left, Charles Piatow left, Stephen Luatua left, and to paraphrase all of his quotes around, he was really disappointed that they turned their back onto New Zealand rugby, and he was particularly disappointed with the Stephen Luatua one because he went to Pat Lamb, and Pat Lamb's a former New Zealander, and he thought that was a little bit disingenuous, but now we find Steve Hansen doing exactly the same thing. Needs must, mate. I mean, Toyota are not travelling that well at the moment. Um, They're mid-table and likely to miss out on the playoffs. So... Uh, you know they 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 are um, results oriented up there just as well as anywhere else in professional sport. So he's obviously looking at um, trying to bolster his squad. It, it's a different attitude to the one that, that Robbie Deans takes, where he's much more concentrating on you know bringing through Japanese players and having a lot of success. But other other teams are also having a success, and I think we'll see more of it. Um, and it's a professional sport, so mm. whilst I think it's it's one thing to point the finger at Hanson and say, well, this is what you said and this is what you're doing now, well, he's moved on. Um, and the reality is that results count. And, you know, I think we've seen that with, uh, with Fozzie, although he was treated terribly by New Zealand rugby. End of the day, though, it's results that count. Should New Zealand rugby fans be concerned? We've had a few texts and calls into the show saying we've got depth. If players want to go, they can go and we'll, we'll fill it. Can that keep going? Is there a concern? Is this good for New Zealand rugby, what's happening at the moment? No. no it's not good because it affects every layer, every tier of New Zealand rugby, um, you know, from clubs all the way up. You know, and we have a look now, for example, the All Blacks never play NPC. And, that, and that's degraded the NPC. They never play, well, they play, obviously, in super rugby, but a lot of them, um, you know, they, they start late in super rugby. 
And if those play, now that's my biggest concern is that the more that players go, it's not so much the All Blacks, uh, but it's those players that are playing Super Rugby. And the more of those players that go, the, uh, the the more it's going to affect Super Rugby. And I don't think we have a conveyor belt any longer to the extent that we used to in the past uh, because um, of a variety of reasons. But, you know, it, it is a concern. When we started Super Rugby back in 1995, 96, and I was at the very beginning of all of that, we actually used to have conversations about how could we have not affect club rugby mm. as much with super rugby. Um, and of course that changed. They went to 18 teams. They went to, you know, playing over an extended period of time. So club rugby completely got um, washed away by super rugby. And that's pretty much happened with the NPC. Now the NPC, for example, in Australia, they're, the NPC, they're very envious of it. Because what it does is it brings the players up through another level. And if, it, if all these players are going to be going, that is the area. And there's one other thing, too, that I'd like to mention, and that is the drain of coaches. The number of coaches coaching overseas um, who could actually be in the all-black all coaching frame, you know, in future years uh, is, is massive. And, and you can't lose all those good coaches. I mean... The last, you know, Ray's has just been appointed and I've, and I've always thought that was a good idea to appoint him. But outside of that, you only had um, Jamie Joseph was the only other applicant. Mm. All the others are overseas or they didn't want to coach for whatever reason, the All Blacks. So, you know, the question is, um, you know, if Razor and Jamie Joseph weren't in the front, where are the other coaches coming through in New Zealand? They're all overseas a lot of these good young coaches and they're, and they're going over there because they don't really see, you know, they can get a lot more money over there. Just the same as the players. I'm sure uh, that, you know, players are going to Japan uh, for the money and it's a great experience, but, but it, the money that they're offering will be the major attraction. How do we keep the coaches in New Zealand, given that we've got an all black coach and his assistants and we've got five super teams um, the, the, and all of the NPC teams and um, these these coaches all around the world, as you say, New Zealanders that would be amazing back at NPC level. Is it is it finances? We just haven't got the money to yep. to afford to keep them here. Yep, absolutely. That's what professional sport is all about. It's about money. It's really not about anything else, you know. And when players leave, and you've just seen Suali um, go from you know, only having been in the NRL for two years, signing with Rugby Australia for $4.8 million. Hmm. I mean, you know, it's money. It's just money. It's got nothing to do with, um, you know, the love of the game, no matter what they might say. And you don't blame them because it's a professional sport. Nobody knows how long their career is likely to be. So, you know, they've got to go for the money. And the money is big in Europe. And it's big in Japan. Uh, and, um, you know, if it, if it comes to an all-out fight, then we're not going to do very well. The, the, the great thing still about New Zealand is the black jersey. You know, so many kids want to be able to pull that on. And, you know, and when they get it, you know, they most likely sleep in it the very first night they get awarded their, their black jersey. I don't know how long... Um, that is that that that's able to last in this new world of consumerism. Is there 
Is there too much rugby, David? Like in a small country like New Zealand, we have school, club, Heartland, NPC, Super, International. It's a lot of levels. It is, but it is what has actually um, stood New Zealand in really good stead in identifying and bringing through new talent. Professional rugby players um, are, are not born. You know, they don't just turn up one day and say, here I am, I want to be, they're made. And where are they made? They're made in the junior clubs. They're made in, in the senior clubs. They're made in coming through the NPC. Some of them, you know, who go into academies, I think, unfortunately, miss out on that. You know, so I think that some players have never, ever played for a club. Certainly that would be the case in, in Australia, talking to Robbie this morning. Um, and he, you know, and, and he thinks that, that, that they miss out on that real grassroots approach to everything. And, and I think that's, a, that's an un, unintended con- consequence of professional rugby, where a lot of these players, young players, they go into an academy, they don't play very much, um, they, get, they get given everything, they don't really have to fight for anything. And they would most likely do them good to go back to club rugby and start play, and play some really good, hard club rugby. And I think that's why club rugby is so important. All the levels of rugby in New Zealand are what we give us that edge. And unfortunately, we're losing so many players to overseas. I think that we're starting to miss that. So what do we have to turn around, David? Like um, attendances are down at Super Rugby. There were four games in New Zealand last weekend and more people went to the Dolphins-Broncos game in Brisbane than all four Super Rugby games in New Zealand here, and it is our number one sport. Uh, NPC numbers are dwindling as well. Viewership numbers are dwindling. We're losing players overseas. You've already highlighted the coaches overseas. Uh, so much intellectual property over there. Do we have to um, centre or, or, or just narrow the field? Do we need less teams? <laughs> do we need to do something really radical? Well, I don't think any of the rugby unions around the world are into radical. You know, that's a problem. Mm. Um, you know, you t- I mean, my understanding is that basketball is now a bigger participation sport than rugby in New Zealand. It is. And when I tell people that from overseas, they're flabbergasted that that could have happened. But it has happened. And for a whole lot of reasons, the game at the moment, the way it's played in most countries, not New Zealand, but most countries, is atrocious to watch. I wouldn't like to play it, and I certainly wouldn't like to referee it as a former referee. <laughs> and what they, what, and what, and what the rugby has forgotten is, especially at the at the um, professional level, what business are they in? They're not in rugby. They're in the entertainment business, mm. and the entertainment has gone out of rugby. So people are saying, I'm not going to go and watch that again. Bash kick, bash kick, bash kick. It's like unlimited rugby league, you know, unlimited tackle rugby league, whereas it well, used to be in the 60s. So, you know, people want to be entertained. They've got a very short, you know, attention span. And that is one of the things that I think uh, where New Zealand is missing out. We never hear from the chief executive. that He never comes out and tells us, you know, what the plans are, what they're doing, what his vision is for the future. Nobody knows. And people are being turned off by that. Uh, and so, you know, there's some fundamental issues that have got to be addressed. They're not easy to address, by the way, because times they um, have been a changing for a long time. But if you don't understand that you're in the entertainment industry and you'd better start entertaining people, then you'll lose them. 
Yeah, it's a trick. You, you touched on Mark Robinson, CEO of New Zealand Rugby. Uh, in your, if you had the CEO hat on now, what or even back then, what was your approach to communication with media, oh. with public, etc.? Well, if you rang me up for an interview, I'd do it straight away because mm. I because I loved it, you know. Um, and I guess that's why radio stations like yourself and others, um, you know, get me on because what they'll know, I'll have something to say. It might or might not be interesting, but I'll at least have something to say. I'm available to have something to say and I'm passionate about New Zealand rugby and and I will, you know, and I will speak truthfully and and that's what really what you guys want in the media. You 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 don't want all these, you know, I've got three must says and I'm never going to get off those and and those must says are going to be where well, really nothing. You know, you're in the entertainment business. Mm. Rugby's in the entertainment business, but they don't seem, and this Robinson guy doesn't seem to understand that. He's got to get out there and communicate with the fans. Otherwise, they'll go, ah, you know, what the hell? I mean, the number of people I speak to now who say, well, they just can't be bothered, you know? And and that is is a very quick, massive change. When you take the, the 2019 Rugby World Cup result, nobody cared, you know? Really, nobody cared. Oh, yeah, so... You know, we lost. Well, so what? Whereas, you know, just a few years before that, you know, all hell would break loose. How dare we lose, et cetera, et cetera. But that's gone. Mm. It's interesting you mentioned that, actually, because if I get the – I can get the CEO of the Warriors in 10 minutes, I can get CEO of New Zealand Basketball, biggest participation sport, I can get him in five minutes. But Mark Robinson two weeks ago said he'd come on with me two weeks after – Scott Robertson, or after the next All Black coach was named, told me a couple of things that might be happening in June, but not ready to announce it yet. And I said, why don't you tell people what you're thinking? What what are you working towards, this global rugby calendar, that apparently there's a meeting in June and they feel like it might get across the line, even though it's been talked about for 100 years. Why don't you take us on that? Oh, it's too early to talk about it. But I feel like there's a lack of involvement from the top with media um, because the the media is the only way that people that were in your position are in Mark Robinson's position can talk to the public. Absolutely, and and how many sports get an opportunity to actually get on to your show and other shows um, free of charge, mm. right? And 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 tell everybody about their sport. Mm. I mean, there would be there would be sports out there who who would pay to be able to do that. And yet with rugby. Yeah, I mean, Rugby League, for example, in Sydney, t- the back 10 pages of the, of the Daily Telegraph of Rugby League. Um, and, uh, you know, that's an incredible amount of free advertising that you get. Mm. And you guys, you, you know, if you go on, on your show, that's free advertising. So why wouldn't you go on? Honestly, I get so frustrated. Uh, you know, if you don't like doing media or you can't because you're incompetent or whatever it is, get somebody on there who can. Mm. Get somebody on there who can give you a story which you then actually let all of the fans know. And uh, But they won't do it. You know, they seem to think that it's, uh, oh, we've got to keep everything secret and, you know, why should we tell the fans what's going on? Well, the fans pay their wages. Whichever way you look at it, the fans are the most important thing that you've got because they either... They either um, subscribe to Sky or to your show or to other shows or to, they buy newspapers or all that sort of stuff. The fans are keeping this sport alive. 
and yet they treat the fans in New Zealand with disdain. Bang on, bang on. And it's like when I have had the opportunity a couple of times to talk to someone and I said, you know, you, the fans are saying this, the public are saying this, and they said, look, they say, look, the fans, they're passionate and we really like that, but, you know, we, we know what we're doing. And so they dismiss the fans' yeah, yeah. passion as misguided, but it's not. It's the foundation of the game. It is, absolutely. Just like, um, you know, juniors and club rugby is the foundation of the game. It all builds from there. And if you haven't got a strong base, you haven't got a strong top, you know, and, and they don't seem to understand that. Mm. Uh, and, it, and, it's, and it's very, very disappointing, to be perfectly honest with you, to see what, what's happening. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, as you said in your show, there's this great debate about whether New Zealand rugby is going to be able to hold the, hold the line of you've got to play in New Zealand to play for New Zealand. Now, um, I've always been an advocate for that right from the very first time that we, we went professional, we put that in place. But even now, you know, that, that, that's relaxed when these players go, go offshore for their sabbaticals. You know, they go over there and then they come back. I mean, Matt Todd was an example where, you know, he, he was playing, uh, I think he was playing for um, Robbie Dean's team. Mm. New Zealand went through there on their way to Europe and, um, and they needed Matt Todd. And so they, they actually um, put him in the team and off they went. So it's happened before when needs must. And, and, I, and I just I worry because it's happened in Australia and it's happened in um, New uh, South Africa to a much greater extent than anywhere else, and I and I just I just don't think that it's feasible that they're going to be able to hang on forever to the allure of the black jersey, which is huge. Don't get me wrong; I'm in awe of the All Blacks, always have been. Um, but you know whether whether that's going to be enough of a draw when you're looking at huge financial differences, I don't know. Mm. Oh, look, look, uh, really, really nice stuff there from Mark and great stuff from David Moffat. I mean, just reinforced a lot about what we said last night. I mean, I find Henson a hypocrite. Um, you know, there were, uh, you know, he was pretty hard on Lua He was pretty hard. I said this last night. He was pretty hard on um, Charles Piatow and Brad Shields. And here he is now getting paid by Toyota and suddenly all his morals have been sort of pushed to one side. He's got a pretty short memory. Now he's basically pillaging New Zealand rugby talent. Um, and I've said this, I think part of the problems that were discussed in that go back to Steve Hansen, go back to Steve Chu in terms of shifting us as fans from being rugby fans to all black fans. And it's not sustainable. Other points in that interview that I want to address, but I'd love to hear from you. You've heard the interview. What stood out for you? I think what we're basically saying is the game's in one hell of a mess at the moment, isn't it? But the game is boring. There is just zero engagement. You've got a CEO and an organisation who just treat the fans with disgust. They live in a world of paranoia and they know best. It's all about the bottom line now. You've got these high-powered board members who've got these CVs that are incredible. The problem with people like that is... They don't want their dep- reputations damaged. They just want to be on the board. They want the flights. They want the nice hotels. They tow the company line. None of them have got any vision. And none of them want to put their head up. 
It's just all virtue signaling BS. It's just all PowerPoint presentation crap. 24 minutes away from 9, 0800 150811. Just going back to the interview with David Moffat, and it's what we talked about yesterday, how, you know, the media, they've just shut the media down rugby, haven't they, and therefore taken all the discussion out, made rugby boring. You need narratives. You need a little bit of a train wreck. You need to be able to celebrate it. You need transparency. You need the people talking. You need personalities. And rugby has none of it. And it's part of the reason why no one's going along and watching. And all of these super rugby franchises treat the media like crap. It's incredibly hard to get people on your show. Yet Warriors, smaller sports, man, they're just lining up. They're dying to get the coverage. Because as David Moffat said, it's just great publicity. And there's only one thing, and I know in this game, man, there's only one thing that's worse than being talked about, and that's not being talked about. 0800 150811 is the number. Hi, Lachlan. Yeah, hi there, Mark. Hey, look, um, I mean, obviously, I've been listening for the last 30 minutes or so, and you're bang on. You're bang on about Super Rugby as the product. No one wants to take any accountability. No one wants to get on there and, and look at things about how they want to do things better or, you know, how to get fans more engaged. I mean, you've, I mean I've, I've followed Super Rugby for pretty much my whole life, and this would have to be probably the first year where I've paid more attention to NRL. Yep. The NRL product have got it bang on. Like it's been, all the games are fantastic. They're high quality. They're not over policed with ridiculous laws. They're, it's just been a, it's such a better product and it's, it's, it's such a good uh, time. Com- I mean, it's, it's basically competing with Super Rugby and it's blowing it out of the water. Well, and, I mean, you've got the best players playing every week. And even if your side doesn't perform, there are marquee players who are big brand names on the other teams. All the clubs have a great history. And even just, you know, growing up, I went and saw Manly play. You know what I mean? You know, it was like almost yeah. like saying I went and saw Liverpool play. Um, and you're right, but they've also got those narratives, haven't they? They've got the bad boys. There's always a scandal off the field. The coaches are big personalities. You look at Ricky Stewart. You, you, you know, you, you go and have a look at um, oh, Gus Gould and all of these big personalities. They critique the game. You've got that NRL 360 where they're not afraid to have a go at the yep. administration. What have we got, mate? Yep. We've got none of it. Sky don't allow it. New Zealand rugby don't allow it. Uh, it's boring. I mean, look at the. Ch- I mean, we know they don't take anything serious other than the All Blacks by the fact that. All black coaches can dictate players being rested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they've, they've got the breakdown. The breakdown is probably the only show out there, and and that barely scratches the surface of, of any type of controversy, of any type of criticism. Because um, I assume they're they're binded by you know regulations, and I mean as you mentioned before with like all the PR stuff. But I mean they, they clearly don't care about the fans anymore. Like I've I've just gone off it. I mean it's a World Cup year, and I'm I'm not even that interested to be honest. It's just. I mean, what resting players at this time? I mean, it's well, we're in March. The the World Cup's in September. Why why are we resting players oh, now? Well, well, but but we rested. What, 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 we, but we rested players in 2019, and it didn't work. We rested players last yep. year, and we were bloody average. We yep. rested players two years ago, and we were bloody average. So show me the evidence yep. that resting players actually works. It doesn't. It's PowerPoint yep. presentation BS driven by one of the 25 additional staff that they have employed, who needs to somehow get his thought across. One hundred percent. Like you, you look at just just recently, you had the Crusaders versus the Brumbies on Friday night. I mean, that's a that's a marquee matchup in, in Super Rugby, especially now we don't have the South African team. Crusaders Brumbies, you know, like the good old days, the early two thousands. And what did the Brumbies do? They, they, I mean, the Brumbies rocked up and they rested a few players and, and had a second string team. I mean, I barely recognise any of the Crusaders players. I guess that's probably down to injuries, but I mean, a bit of it's resting players as well. And it's just. I didn't even know what I was watching. I mean, as soon as it got to half time, I flipped it over to the to the eight o'clock game for the NRL, and I was back watching a decent product. It's just 
But see, Lachlan, I'm with you, mate. I mean, you know, I, I did the first two years of Sky College Rugby with Keith Quinn and those guys, and we all thought it was a good thing. And mm. that's just now become the stepping stone to higher honours, which has killed club rugby. You've got Mitre 10 Cup, mm-hmm. which is just now just a trial for Super Rugby, and Super Rugby is just a trial for the All Blacks. There's no meaning in any of yep. it anymore. And what I've noticed, Lachlan, none of it these days is appointment viewing for me. There is very little rugby which yep. is now appointment viewing, where I go to the wife, I can't go out, I've got to watch this game or you're making yep. plans yep. and you're so excited about it. That just doesn't exist anymore. Um, and that yep. is incredibly sad. And yet you go through the board, you go and look at these high-powered people and how difficult it is to get in your foot in the door, and yet none of them can see it or none of them want to see it yep. or none of them want to shake you know, w- want to shake the boat or create any sort of conflict. It- it's just nonsense, mm-hmm. Lachlan, and you're not the only one. Yep. I speak to people like yeah. you all the time, Lachlan, and it's this constant theme I get from everyone from an eclectic eclectic mix of society as well. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, no, it, I mean, I, I completely understand. Mark Robinson's got to go. That, that, that's yeah. my final word. Well, he, I, I've got a concept. So out of touch with yeah. reality. I've got a concept, and I'm hoping that at some point I'm going to get this guy one on one, and I plan to do it, and I plan to ask the hard questions. Happy to give him a copy of the questions, but I will follow it up as well. 15 minutes away from nine. The telephone number is 0800 150811. We're going to take a break, and then we'll have a good discussion with Graham out of Christchurch next. 11 minutes away from nine. Uh, good text that's come in for Craig. It'll address it after nine, uh, but Craig probably won't be listening because he clearly doesn't rate me. Are you still listening, Craig? I think you're still listening, aren't you, Craig? Don't let me live rent free inside your head, Craig. I'll come back to you after nine o'clock. Hi, Graham. Oh, hi, Mark. How are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, the old rent, rent free one. That's that you've been using that a while, but it's a very applicable in those oh, cases. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, a great interview with David Moffat that uh, Staffy, Mark Stafford did this afternoon. I didn't hear it this afternoon, but um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I've heard him talk a lot on that subject, and um, yeah, I, there's very little I probably would disagree with. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know me, I, I can't, I'm an avid supporter, so I'm yeah. probably the wrong person to to probably say, well, this and that's wrong, but, but I do know but that. But you're, 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 you're a dying breed, mate. Yeah, I, I realise that. Well, maybe I don't, but but whatever. Um, you know, I just think that that what he's saying is correct. You know that you know that the fan engagement thing that the NZR they're not fronting up. Um, you know, I mean, not just the the all black coaching thing. You know, that's done and dusted now. But I mean, we're talking about just the you know what's going on. With, like David said, what's going on in New Zealand rugby? What have you got planned for this or what? Or blah blah. Yeah, they actually don't tell you anyway, and they're not really interested in telling the fans or all the media. You well, know, that... well, what I liked about it, Graham, and without without um, talking myself up here, just reinforce what I've been saying. It just reinforces what Martin oh, Devlin's been saying. There's few of us actually have the balls to come out and say it. And, and, yeah, and all David Moffat did was just actually reinforce everything that we've been saying. He just happens to bring a little bit more credibility because he's been a former CEO. Yeah, yeah. And he's, you know, and he's been, in, you know, over to Japan, you know, even over there to see Robbie Deans. But, and it's interesting what he said on, you know, Steve Hansen, you know, I mean, he was polite about it, but let's face it, you know, I remember discussing with you the Pier Tower and, uh, you know, Lua Tour businesses at the time, you know, um, particularly, you know, his statements. I know people, perspective changes with time and you get a new position, but I, I do think he is 
you know, it is hypocrisy on Hanson's. Oh, but I mean, you look at Hanson, you look at that 2016 Olympic Games, and they can come out and say the players did a U turn and did it, and there was no outside influence. Not from what I've heard. What an absolute load of rubbish. Uh, then Then we go in, and suddenly it's okay to lose tests and judge us on the World Cup in 2019. We lose the World Cup. He had a staff of 25. He brought in the rest in rotation. He had training camps that took players out of Super Rugby. All this absolute nonsense. And when it was all said and done, we knighted the guy, mate. You know, and we had uh, St- we had Steve Chu there too, all complicit in this. And now we've, you know, Mark Robertson's the one copying it. But I tell you what, a lot of the a, a lot of the right. chipping away of the foundations was done by that previous administration. And this administration has inherited a hell of a lot of mess. Mark Robertson hasn't helped himself by not being transparent. I no, I agree with that 100% with everything you just said. You know, a lot of people go on to me, you know, about Mark Robinson. And that would happen up and down the country, not just in Christchurch. Even though Scott Robertson was announced as coach, they still go, oh, but he's, look, 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 he's done this, he's done that. And I go, but, you know, go back, people are only now twigging to the, to what happened. I mean, I'm not blaming Hanson for everything, but his, you know, his he had his had big hands in the whole... Right. The whole the whole setup and, and, and you know, he was instrumental in a lot of the things. Well Ian Foster get, Ian Foster Ian Foster getting the all black job was purely chew and hence. And don't tell me yeah, that was yeah. a transparent process. Rubbish it oh, was. No, it wasn't. And, you know, everything that was said at the time, I think a lot of people um right throughout the country uh realise that. That was just a load of rubbish, you know. I mean you know, I mean I remember talking to people, you know, about what happened, you know, uh, you know that whole interview process. That was that was, a, you know, kangaroo court, and you know it was orchestrated by to get Foster in there, um, you know. But but isn't it? But isn't it? Isn't and it? And they lost the World Cup. But you know. Steve Hansen, it's, it's like Sir Graham Henry. So Sir Graham Henry gets knighted for services to New Zealand rugby a year later. He's up there in the coaching box with Argentina, giving his intellectual property to the Argentinians, yeah. who then you know five years later or six years later start beating us. And then you've got Steve. I'm sorry, you've just been knighted for services to New Zealand rugby. You've just won a rugby World Cup. There are just things you don't do following that, mate. You just don't do it. You are a New Zealander and you are loyal to New Zealand, or you certainly don't do anything that's ultimately going to lead to New Zealand coming undone. Here's Steve Hansen, hated it when players went overseas, not afraid to come out, treated Pia Tower like absolute crap, Stephen Luatua, and here he is now over there soliciting New Zealand rugby players to come and play for Toyota because Toyota writing him some big check. And I'm expected to stand here and, and look at Steve Hansen like some great rugby man in this great New Zealander. What an oh. absolute crock, Graham. Steve Hansen is about Steve Hansen, in my opinion. Oh, completely. And, you know, I think, like I say, a lot of people are twigging to that, especially here in Christchurch, because a lot of people thought, oh, you know, no, it wasn't right, you know, what raising, I mean, I'm only using it as an example. They didn't realise, some people were naive. They thought Hanson had nothing to do with Scott Robertson not getting the job. Oh, of course he did. Oh, no, well, I I knew that at the time. I mean, look, Steve, It was plainly obvious. That was the only way Foster got the job, you know, I mean, because he had no credentials to get it. It was only because he was the sit, you know, he was one of his um, I mean, wingmen. Steve, Steve, Steve Hansen ruins his, Sir Gordon, Sir, Sir Gordon Titchens, mate. Hey, look, thanks, Graham, yeah. as always. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing, isn't it? The little PR machine rolls. But you'll never get the breakdown on Sky discussing these issues. Oh no, we can't say that. We'll tell you what's wrong with Australian rugby. Not afraid to have an opinion about them. We'll never go after the administration because they might not 
go with us next time. If they don't go with you, it's not because you haven't been a PR firm. It's because someone's offered them more money. You did the same thing with New Zealand cricket. You were a PR firm for them. Didn't do you any good. They just went with Spark. They went with the money. When is Sky going to learn this? It's in their best interest. In their best interest of leveraging and securing their investment. If they actually got a higher level of engagement, you do that by having a damn opinion. It is 9 o'clock just after. You're listening to SENZ. Mark Watson with you. Uh, Between 10 and 11, we're going to bring you our Super Rugby shows, Blues Brothers with Steve Devine and Hurricanes Valley with Gordon Simpson. We do play it between 7 and 8, but I know a large part of our audience are not always available to listen to it then. And it's a really nice just way to unwind if you're starting to go to bed or you just want to listen to something before you do go to bed. So we just might sort of see how that goes and what sort of level of engagement we do get. Uh, Look, we've just, um, it's interesting, last night, and you'll hear me go on and on and on about the state of New Zealand rugby, the lack of engagement, um, the media having been bought, there's no opinion, there's no real major television shows that address the issues, and rugby has been reduced to you know, the 80 minutes in the middle of the park and it's just not simply a good enough product and we're seeing diminishing crowds and we're seeing interest in rugby just fall off. Um, Nothing below the All Blacks is taken seriously. If it was, you wouldn't have All Black coaches dictating to our Super Rugby coaches about players having to rest without even actually asking the players um, and having this blanket approach, even though some players hardly played for the All Blacks last year. Um, We played an interview with David Moffat that, Uh, Mark Stafford did and I was curious because um, a lot of what David Moffat said just reinforced what I've been saying and what a few of my colleagues have been saying it was just nice to hear it he probably just brings a little bit more credibility but it's nice to have those thoughts reinforced Uh, we had a really nice text come in from Craig Craig says um, what I took from the interview is that the interviewer asked some thoughtful and engaging questions then was prepared to listen to the answers and respond as necessary in short it was top journalism then we came back to you and you're not interviewing anyone you're not listening and thinking or bringing anything new you're just pontificating and pushing the same old barrow take a leaf from your colleagues and reflect on what proper journalism looks like thanks Craig uh, Craig, I'd assume then that you're not listening right now because you switched off. You have switched off, haven't you, Craig? Craig, you have switched off, haven't you? Clearly, you don't rate me. Firstly, I'm not a journalist, never have been. Don't have a degree in journalism, mate. My job is to get a level of engagement. My job is to address the issues. A lot of the issues that I bring up and I address, others then pick up on. And I'm not afraid to say that. That's not about ego. That's just the harsh reality of it at times. So I'm quite comfortable in the way I do do things. Craig. Um, got your text number here, Craig. Um, don't know what you do for a living, Craig, but more than happy to text you at work and tell you you're crap at it, though. You're not one of those, are you, though, Craig? You can give it, but you can't take it, can you, Craig? I know you're listening, Craig. You're waiting, aren't you, Craig? You want a reaction to this, Craig? Life must be really good for you, Craig, because I'm the worst thing in the world. And that's all you've got to worry about, Craig. Craig, part of the reason why, I I regularly put in requests for people like Steve Hansen and the likes of Mark Robertson, but they don't want to talk. They don't want the hard questions asked of them. 
They don't like the truth, Craig. And by the way, Craig, it is Craig, isn't it? You're still there, aren't you, Craig? I learned how to use an off button when I was five, Craig. Okay, Craig? I know you're listening, Craig. <laughs> Four and a half minutes after nine. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Oh, it's all part of the entertainment component, Craig. Love your work, mate. I got you to text me and I've done my job. It's all about engagement, isn't it? It's all about stirring and creating some emotions. The thing with me is that I actually believe everything I do say. I do. Um, yep, yeah, uh, five minutes after nine. 0800 is the number if you do want to phone the program. Uh, so some interesting comments from David Moffat. One of the interesting things is the lack of communication that coming from Mark Roberts and the top of New Zealand rugby. They don't want to tell us anything about what's going on. They don't want to share their vision. They don't want to share the future of the game. They don't want to be criticised. They don't want to have to ask any hard questions. They just live in a world of complete and utter paranoia where they've forgotten it. And this is something that I thought David Moffat summed up really nicely. This is entertainment. First and foremost, professional rugby is entertainment. You do not get paid without the fans. You've got to have the fans, whether it be through Sky subscribers, whether it be through bums on seats. But they seem to forget that. It's all about the players now. It's all about the administrators. It's all about them. It's all about their CVs. It's all about five-star hotels, business class flights, and the head in the trough. Well, that certainly is the perception I have. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one. He's a hundred percent correct. Do you agree? We had a really good caller earlier, who, yeah, just said for the first time he's watching more, more, NRL. Why? Because every game seems to have something riding on it. Every game the marquee players are playing, unless they're injured. The clubs have history and tradition, and the clubs all understand their history and tradition, and it's probably the nearest thing we have to the English Premier League. But there's always some dumbass player doing something off the field which brings headlines, rightly or wrongly. I don't think most people have too much of an issue with it. Unlike sports administrations, we all know that we're slightly flawed, and therefore we can handle other people's flaws or we get a kick out of those flaws but it's part of the entertainment component. It's part of the brand. Doesn't exist in New Zealand rugby, does it? 0800 150811 is the number. Craig's dying to text back in, but Craig will then have to admit that he's still listening. Maybe Craig will get another phone. You scaring for another phone out there, Craig? Oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one is the number. Uh, Steve Hansen, hypocritical, isn't it, that he's now, according to the papers anyway, and I'm based it according to the papers, that he's now actively recruiting New Zealand players for Toyota because he's getting paid by Toyota. The same guy who couldn't stand it when New Zealand players left when he was All Black coach. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one. On a positive note. Uh, this weekend's round of Super Rugby, the big game everybody's looking forward to is the Chiefs and the Blues. It's come at the right time of the year where both sides should be starting to hit their straps. Both sides should be almost at their best. 
they've had enough games now where they've been able to tweak from week to week. Blues rested a lot of players in their last game, which in a perfect world I'm not sure they would have done because they're desperate to continue to work on ruck speed, getting to the breakdown quickly, players rolling in the right way, getting your cleaners in, allowing your halfback to turn phase after phase over very, very quickly. Put your opponents on the back foot. It's been an area, according to Steve Devine, that hasn't been great. 0800 150811. Jump on the phone. Talk to me. Michael Holdsworth texts in. I love Lincoln ends because I love my sports. This Sunday, daylight saving ends, I can watch the Hurricanes game. Yeah, no, good on you, Michael. Always enjoy you texting in, Michael. Um, but yeah, the lines are open. Ten minutes after nine, we'll take a break. Just been talking a little bit about maybe the double standards and mentioned in the article regarding Tom Robertson, the Blues loose forward, heading off to play for Toyota next year in Japan and there's been a big recruitment drive and it's been under the influence of former All Blacks coach Sir Steve Hansen um, for services to New Zealand rugby. Well, I'm not sure he's doing New Zealand rugby any service at the moment. Um, but also there's been, a, I think, a little bit of hypocrisy from Gus Gould in regards to uh, the Suwali situation with from him leaving the NRL to go and play rugby. And it's interesting that Sydney Roosters coach Trent Robertson um, is a lot more relaxed about the idea, in fact, thinks he should be picked for state of origin this year. And he goes on to say, lots of players sign a year out, coaches go between rugby union and rugby league. It's okay to say as a rugby league guy that you like the game. I enjoy watching it, he says. The European game is strong, but the fact is we have the best rugby competition, league or union in the world. And I think he's probably right, and that is the NRL. It is by far the best competition. They know it, and we know it. Everyone around the world watches the NRL. I can tell you that. That is why we enjoy watching it. So respect both sides and enjoy parts of their game, but stand tall on what our game is. Robertson insisted that Suwali remained committed to the Roosters and the NRL and said his decision to switch coast shouldn't rule him out of origin contention for the Blues. You know, and yet he gets absolutely hammered by guys like Gus Gould, who are the first guys to sell their soul to the highest bidder, mate. And that's the hypocrisy in it all. You don't understand this guy's personal situation or circumstances behind the scenes, what this might mean for him in the long term financially. He's still young enough to come back to rugby league if he wants. Well done to Trent Robertson. Good to see some common sense. Let's go to the phones. Hi, Jim. G'day, Mark. How are you? Long time no here. I've only uh, I used to ring I rung you a couple of times when you were on the old show. Oh, yeah, fantastic. But you're a breath of fresh air, mate. I'm glad to have you back. Thank you, Jim. Love it. And I'll tell you what, uh, you, you tell it as it is, and you wear your heart on your sleeve. And I hope you're going to the Olympics this year to do the athletics because you make us. Uh, make us uh, sound as though we're there. So I hope you go. Hope <laughs> oh, you get. Hope you get the invite. Yeah, next year. But, uh, in, next year, next year in Paris. Yeah. Are you going? Are you? Oh, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, I've, I've done four now. I'd like to get to a fifth. Yeah. Oh, I reckon you deserve it, mate. Now, listen. As far as the sports concerned, I think uh, the biggest problem is uh, that, that Sparks got involved, and a lot of the old guys like me can't can't watch it on telly. Uh, they're taking a lot of the 
a lot of the uh, commentary off the radio, like we used to, as you said the other night, uh, we, we can't we can't listen to it. Uh, the whole whole sport's been fragmented, and it's all about the almighty dollar, you know. And uh, I, I just think it's a shame, especially those those of us that don't want to uh, buy Spark and Sky. But uh, you know, I just I, no, I think well, you're dead right in a lot of what you say. I, I, I refuse. To, I'm like you. I refuse to have Sky and Spark. I still stick with Sky at the moment, but only just more because of the English Premier League and nothing else. To be honest, I can actually live without the Super Rugby. Um, I know that if there's a game I really do want to watch, which is about once every four weeks, I can go down to a pub or I can go around to a mate's watch house and watch it. And I know I can get away without having it. There's enough other mediums these days to keep me entertained in the little time that I do have to sit down and watch stuff. But cricket is a great example of this taking the money and they went with Spark and they took the money. What they underestimated and we always knew it, I always knew it, that they were going to lose 80% of their audience. And that's what these sports organisations don't get. Yes, it looks good in the short term. Those in these positions of power, it looks good when they come up for their own review of their own jobs and their own positions. But in the long term, an awful lot of damage is done. I mean, when Kane Williamson scored his double hundreds this summer, people should have been the next day, kids should have been running around swinging about wanting to be Kane Williamson. The problem is... 90% of kids never got to see it because they don't have spark. Well, when we were kids, as you know, we used to, everyone was a Peter Snell or a Sterling Moss or a, mm. whoever was on, the, you know, at the time, and that was 70 years ago. Oh, well, I, so, I, look, I, mean, I, I remember... It just doesn't happen anymore because uh, our guys aren't in the limelight, and if they are, they're not even allowed to play, especially the All Blacks. Yeah, yeah, I know, but it's ridiculous. Yeah. But the other thing, too, is, you know, I remember when we had Laurie Maines versus John Hart, that great coaching debate in 92, 93, and... You know, I remember listening to Deeker and the phones just lit up, man. It was just so divided. You had the Aucklanders versus those from Otago. Then you had the Cantabrians jumping in as well, probably believing their man should be in the mix somewhere. But I tell you what, it created for an absolutely high level of engagement. Rugby was in the forefront of people's minds. It was a debate they were having around the coffee table. The games were full. Domestic rugby had great crowds. Notice how Sky Television, they say nothing. There is no opinion-based shows at all. Any opinion they have is very, very light. They never go after the administration. They never question the administration. They've become a PR firm. So nobody, nobody now, Jim, is talking about the game. And, you know, and they've also told the players they can't have their own personalities. The coaches are just... Yeah, I mean, they're just on one automatic default setting telling us what we already know, and it's just a cliche. And they wonder why people are looking at the NBA and looking at the NRL and looking at other sports because they've got multiple narratives and they've got a high level of engagement. Well, this is the time they should be pushing the rugby because a lot of the kids are going to play things like basketball and uh, a lot of these others. because uh, And they've also got the, the, the head knocks and things, so... That, They've really got to foster it really well from grassroots up, and they're not doing that from grassroots up. So, uh, you know, I, I just think it's, uh, it's heading for a fall. And uh, poor old Mr Foster, uh, give him his due, he was on a hiding to nothing ever since he got the job because he was uh, because as soon as he got the job, uh, our friend uh, from Canterbury, our friends from Canterbury and uh, got on the bandwagon and said that the other fellow should have got the job. So well, I, I, I think, think the poor guy, I, I think the poor Poor guy's been vilified. Yeah, oh, such a, oh, I mean, how would you like it if uh, every time you uh, turn on the radio, 
someone was, you know, it, it, it happens in business and it's now happening yeah. in sport. And yeah. I, I, I just think the guy wasn't given a fair go. Well, no, I think I think the problem was that, look, Ian Foster, you're right. Ian Foster is a person, he's a father, he's a husband, and when it comes down to it, he's probably a really, really good man. The issue was yeah. that a lot of people felt that his coaching credentials prior to being given a job by Steve Hansen, because he was a good mate of Steve Hansen, and Hansen's going to put people around him he likes, people never felt that it was then just automatic that he got the top job and that perhaps his CV and that perhaps his pathway to the top wasn't as transparent as perhaps a Scott Robertson or as perhaps as a Jamie Joseph. And so I can understand where the angst is and I can understand where the Cantabrians are coming from. But yes, he needs to make sure that if they lose this Rugby World Cup, they've got a lot of support people around them because he will be vilified. And yet I still blame, oh, I still actually blame oh, the administration. More, yeah. yeah, I've got one more thing that I'd like to, like to note. Uh, and I'm certainly I'm married and I've got kids and I, I'm not a misogynist by any stretch of the imagination and I like women's sport and I go to a lot of it especially the Blaze down in Wellington but what I'm finding is that uh, they've, had, they've had this World Cup and everything else but what, what happens in the, in the media or the some of the media not all but some of them are, they, 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 they highlight who these people are married to I'm there for their, 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 their sport prowess and I really, uh, I'm not really interested in who they're married to, but they seem to be pushing. Uh, I don't know how to say it, but they, they tell, they they make it known who they're married to, and you know that's up to them. You know their personal lives really, uh, yeah, yeah. to oh, me, oh, uh, look, is, is, is not my is not my interest. You know, nah, there's a lot of tabloid, tabloid journalism in it, and I think there are a lot of media now who are just desperate to keep women's sport in the limelight, even though I'm not sure the interest is there to the degree that have us believe. And any reason to give these guys some time. But it's interesting, isn't it, Jim, that we had this World Cup, we were told how the explosion of women's rugby, how the players should get paid, look what it's done. But you go and look at Opaki Super Rugby, no one's watching it. No one is watching it at all, mate. None of it. Well, I'd like to be able to say that I, uh, I'm still a rugby supporter. And I've been a rugby supporter ever, ever, ever since I was a kid. But uh, it just, as, as somebody says, they, they find it far more uh, enlightening to go to a, a Warriors game or, a, or watch a Warriors well, game big, because... Nah, but the, the biggest problem, Jim, is that they overinflated the women's game. They built a false economy around it. They politicised it. And people saw straight through it. If it's a good product, people will go. It's that simple. It is really just that simple. That is why you will go to a rock concert that will sell out because it's entertainment at the highest level. It's music people are familiar with. The All Blacks will sell out, but even then we're starting to see the odd test where it's not selling out. I think Argentina last year didn't sell out. Very few times I can remember All Black Test not selling out. We know Super Rugby, you know, they're jumping up and down and celebrating 24,000 people for the Blues Crusaders game. That should have been a sellout. We're supposed to be a rugby-mad nation. It gets all of the media coverage. It's always in the papers. It's always the lead story on the news. The only shows Sky do on it are really around rugby and a few of those mainstream sports. It's got the best advertising, the best marketing in the world, and no one's still going. And now we're suddenly celebrating 24,000 people. 
Yeah, go and look at the English Premier League. Most of those games, you can't get tickets. There's a waiting list. There's a year's waiting list to go. Why? Because there's so much on the line. The players have personalities. The players are big brands. The coaches are big brands. There's always a narrative going on. There's a rivalry between the teams. There's angst. There's brilliance. There's the whole lot. It's a real simple model. But for some reason, Sky and New Zealand Rugby don't want to have any of it. And it's to both of their detriment. Because remember, if interest in rugby drops off, interest in Sky drops off. And we know that because they've invested $450 million on the product, or close to $500 million, to get the rights over the five years, three years previous and I think two years to go. But they don't seem interested in securing that investment, leveraging that investment, maximising that investment. They'll tell you I'm wrong. When was the last time they told you what their viewing numbers were? It is 29 and a half minutes after nine. You are listening to SENZ. Telephone number is 0800 150 Ben Francis, good evening. Welcome. How are you? Yeah, very good, mate. Very, very good. Busy day, but ah, enjoyable. Good. Yeah. You've been listening to the discussion? I have. I uh, really enjoyed the chat with uh, David Moffat and a couple of the points that he did touch on there. And the one that kind of really stood out for me was that he said well, he was part of New Zealand rugby when Super Rugby started. And he said when they started it, they wanted to, the, the, one of their main goals was to try and incorporate this professional product, but not tarnish the club game. And of course, we've seen the club, the, the, the club game get uh, ruined. And now we've seen the NPC get ruined, which is a real shame because. And look at Super Rugby, that's been ruined now too, isn't it? And so yep. what, what's it all about? It's about the black jersey, it's about the silver fern, and it's about the money. But as David Moffat said, you cannot have that without the grassroots, without the foundation. And we're killing it, aren't we? Concussion hasn't helped either. Well, the, the one thing which I find interesting, and, and we talk about a sport like basketball and how, how that's overtaken rugby in terms of a participation sport. When I was a kid, and this is not going back far, I used to like going to the park and kick a rugby ball around. I used to like sitting up the tee, taking some shots at goal. It was all right. I was never never going to play rugby. <laughs> and if I did, I never would have got to kick, but I still enjoyed doing it. But I, it's quite funny because you drive through past parks now. I know there's not as many as before because they're just building houses left, right, and centre. But you don't see people kicking rugby balls around anymore. They're all, they're all shooting basketballs or they're all skating or they're all doing – literally anything else bar rugby, which should be alarm bells ringing immediately. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's funny. There was an, I, was, I was just going through the board of New Zealand rugby. I was just trying to work out how, you know, what it's like on these boards. I think sometimes it's just a virtue signalling box ticking. It's just getting high-powered people with big names to somehow bring a level of credibility to it. But I think sometimes you've got to have a visionary on there. You've got to have somebody ruffles the feather. You've got to have somebody who sits down there and asks the hard questions and challenges the establishment. So you've got Dame Patsy Reddy, who is the appointed board member. She is the chair. 
yeah, yeah, it says here, former Governor General has extensive experience in governance consulting roles in both the private and public sector. She served as a non-executive director of Telecom Corporation, Sky City Entertainment Group, Air New Zealand, all that sort of stuff. Really impressive CV, right? You know, Bailey Mackey, Deputy Chair, set up his own private production company, New Zealand Māori Entrepreneur of the Year. You've got Dame Farah Palmer, Deputy Chair, Māori Representative. You know, <laughs> you, you run through it. Then we've got Ajit uh, Balasingham uh, is a business advisor with more than 20 years of proven commercial success. You know, Bart Campbell, sports marketing professional with vast experience over 25 years across the UK. Really? Vast marketing experience. So why is the game so heavily in decline? Rowena Davenport. I, I mean, look, your initial thoughts when you look at this, it's, again, it's about having the right quota of people on there, number of women, uh, ethnic representation from European through to Māori. That's what it sort of ticks off. The problem with all of these people is, mate, none of them want to damage their reputations. This is just, they're the same people that go and end up getting knighted. You know what I mean? Well, I, I, fi- I find but They got- sort of jump on, they jump on the merry-go-round, that executive merry-go-round, and they just never get off. Nothing sticks to them. Yeah, what what rugby needs is some visionaries, man. It needs some it needs some wild cards in there. It needs a Scott Robertson. It needs somebody just to come in and challenge and and not just look at the bottom line and be able to look at the intangibles and go. You know, he's just looking at it on a year by year basis, not looking at the bigger picture. Do not, Why are they so scared of people criticising their organisation or challenging the organisation? Why do they have this mandate with Sky Television where you're not allowed to criticise? Do you know what I find funny, though? So you and I, people will call up and they'll say, you know, why does your opinion matter? Because you did not used to play rugby. But it's quite funny because I'm not going to say that about the board where none of them seem qualified to really be involved in rugby. Well, not many of well, them anyway. Yeah. Well, every New Zealander is a stakeholder in New Zealand rugby. Every New Zealander is entitled to talk rugby. That mentality is wrong. And we get it from former players. What do you know? You've never played. It's like, well, mate, don't criticise the government. You've never been an MP. Don't even bother voting, mate. I mean, it's a ridiculous argument, isn't it? But that's the mentality too that says we don't care about you. We don't take your opinion totally seriously. Agree, yeah. And whether you like it or not, if you're smart, if 90% of your, if 90% of your customer base has a perception you can't ignore that perception. You need to address it. That perception might be miles away from the truth. It might not even be accurate. But if everybody believes it, then you need to make sure that your business addresses that and possibly targets it or moves towards that perception or moves away from that perception. It's if it's a positive right. perception, even though you go, hey, well, we just need to be there. Everyone thinks it. Let's make sure we're there. Let's make sure we're seen there. If it's negative, you can't just ignore, oh, well, what do they know? They're all a bunch of losers. They're not, they don't have the business, uh, you know, they don't have the business experience that I've got. I just cannot believe that these board members are allowing the unions in this country to basically go bankrupt, that they're allowing these club rugby to just basically die, that they allow the all-black coaches to dictate to the super rugby coaches that players need to be rested. I can't believe that they've even allowed Super Rugby to get to where it's become and what it went from to what it is now. And why hasn't somebody gone to Sky Television and said, as our as our broadcast partner, we know what you longer televising schoolboy rugby, we want you to televise club rugby. I tell you what, 
you get a lot more people playing club rugby again. Let's also broadcast the under-85 competition and some of these other things. Let's get club rugby vibrant again. Everyone out there damn well knows this, but these people running the game still can't see it. And rather than coming out and saying you're wrong or having the discussion, they just shut up shop and basically think we're all morons, we're all losers, what do you know? And that, that's the perception that we have of them. That is, but that's only because they don't want to admit that they screwed up, that they made these mistakes in the past. You know, I, I remember working on a previous radio station. It's like, well, you get these board members, and, oh, we've got such and such on the board. Well, who's she? Well, you know, she's former this and she's former that. And you go, okay, yeah, but does she understand the essence of the product? Does she understand the essence of the product? Does she understand the fan? Does she understand the essence of this? Does she have that? And you go, oh, yeah, but she's got one part of it and the other guy's got another part of it. And you go, yeah, but hang on a minute. You know, and this is what I said yesterday. When you start getting this equality of outcome where you say, well, our board's going to have to have, you know, 50% women, 50% men. You don't end up actually getting the best people because if the majority of good candidates are of one gender, but you can only pick so many, then the other gender is represented by people who are less, not as well qualified. And that's not a good way of running a business model. It, it, it's... Do, do you remember the last time you went, oh, do you know what I'm going to go do today? I'm going to go watch a club club game. Of rugby, no, no. I, I take a little bit of an interest at times because I'm, you know, I have an association through Manabit Grammar School with guys like Sir Brian Williams and got a few mates who play for suburbs. So I take a little bit of an interest in the Gallagher Shield, um, but probably more so than I do in the NPC, and probably more so than I do in Super Rugby, because I think it's still how I remember rugby and how I want rugby to be. And same with schoolboy rugby. And I'm really pleased the Auckland school said no more television for us. We're done with that. Um, and I'll go and watch some first 15 rugby because, yeah, I do enjoy my rugby, but I don't enjoy it now at the professional All I see is a whole lot of players and a players association, the tail wagging the dog and a group of administrators who just only seem to be driven by revenue. And all that revenue seems to do is go back to paying the players. Yeah, pretty much. They're, they're happy collecting their big paychecks and not really worrying them. Mm. 0800 150811 is the number if you'd like to phone the programme. We'd love to hear from you. You can give us a call. You can text us here on 8833. There are lines open. Jump on the phone. Have your say. Um, what these says. i just curious to know what sport are you watching? Is there a sport that you find uh, riveting? that you find you've suddenly starting to take more interest in? What sports did you used to follow religiously that you don't follow religiously now? And it might be because, might be because the administrators have killed the game. It might just be simply because you've grown up, you're busy now, and it just doesn't mean as much, and life goes on, and I get that too. See, the thing I'm most passionate about is Liverpool Football Club. I only have seen them play once, live. But for some reason, I am just addicted to that English Premier League. And I go to bed nervous, I wake up happy, or I wake up disappointed with the results. I don't watch every single game, I admit that, just because of the time differences and with two kids and working and everything else. But I'm not just interested in the results of Liverpool, I'm interested clearly in how the results are for those teams that are challenging Liverpool and those teams that I like outside of Liverpool that I don't want to see get relegated. 
that's my kick. That's my sporting buzz. Following Mount Abbott Grammar and some things is my sporting buzz. Never used to be like that. I was across everything and I was passionate about it. Thus, that's why I wanted to do this gig. The thing is, though, that you talk about the football, and it's something that I agree with as well. It's not so much for me in the football because my team I support is in the fourth division, so you don't kind of get that that level of engagement. But you wake up in the morning or you get to watch Liverpool or you wake up and check the result in the morning, you're either going to be happy or disappointed. But because then the, the, uh, the broadcasters are allowed to have that discussion about it you then you're like oh I wonder what yeah. well, Gary Neville and Jamie yeah. Carragher had well, a debate Jamie about the game Jamie Carragher is going to come out and say look I just don't believe that um, Van Dyke at the moment Virgil Van Dyke is playing nearly as well he joked with me the other week and said he wouldn't I wouldn't currently make the starting lineup well I tell you I would based on the performance I saw today and they go after it and then you know the managers let's go and hear from Arsene Wenger or let's go and hear from Mikel Arteta who's just lost that team today was crap they were awful we didn't play well da 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 you know you don't hear that from the New Zealand coaches. And then you go, God, and then you go, these two coaches hate each other, don't they? Boy, that's just going to be interesting just to watch the two managers come out and face each other. You know, Pep Guardiola and, um, you know, Anateta or Pep Guardiola and Pochettino a few years ago, you know? You look at guys like Conte blowing up and then you, the journalists, journalists don't get blacklisted for actually asking good questions and getting the... Oh, like, I know, it's a up. bloody free-for-all, mate. But look at the level of engagement. Yep. Look so what, at what people what are talking about, to. you know, and they embrace the media, they embrace the fans. You hear anybody, you hear every Liverpool player, it's constantly about the fan, thanking the fan. It's always about the fan. And, and look, I follow Liverpool and so, you know, I see it with the Steven Gerrards and I see it with um, the Jurgen Klopps and everything's about the fan. But you listen to the Arsenal thing, it's the same thing. What do you hear here, mate? They just don't want to know the fan here, mate. All they're interested in is, I've got a rest I want to get paid more. If you don't pay me more, I'm going overseas and I'm tired and I'm going to bring you up. And I don't think the players believe they're tired. They're told they're tired. The one thing that they do well in the UK as well is, I think it's something we touched on yesterday, is that so they've got the Carragers and Nevilles having the debate, but then they've got the guys who are very analytical and like immediately after the game, they've got the they've got the TVs up and they with all the arrows and all the, the drawing all the lines and showing exactly kind of what they're doing. Mm, no, yeah, no, I agree. And I don't have a problem with that either. We, we've sort of got into that mix here thinking, oh, riveting TV will show you where the gap opened up. And you go, yeah, okay, nice, but rather just have a good, honest, bloody hardcore discussion where some people get opinion and they say, this dude should be dropped and this guy should be celebrated and this guy should be permanently playing at 10. And yeah, I mean, God, you know, what are the administration doing? The bloody referees are awful. Let's have the referees on. Let's challenge the referees. You know, that's what I want. That's what everyone wants. High level of engagement. Hi, Dean. Oh, g'day. Hey, yeah, just chiming in on this um, this combo. A, a sport that I've um, really picked up the last few years has been has been the NFL, and I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. I know it's a long game. There's breaks and everything, but when I draw comparisons to um, our rugby product here in New Zealand, I usually just break it down to the three S's and what sort of turns me away from the game and, and what turns me on to NFL. The three S's are statistics, Scandal and storylines. Oh, brilliant! And well said, like, Dean. Brilliant. Our, our our statistics in rugby don't engage people. We don't have we don't have statistics down to like you wouldn't know who has the most handling errors in your team or something like that. Whereas you know, like um, the the statistics that we get are just meaningless. Storylines, 
last year, Super, Super Rugby Final, they missed out on a golden opportunity to delve right into the history of Auckland and um, Canterbury. And did they do that? No, they did some crazy all-black mm. selection in the same week or something like that, and everyone was just talking about that. Whereas in NFL, they just get, they feed you these storylines, they hook you in, you know? Like, everyone loves a good story, mm. a bit of good versus evil or something like that, you know? And the last one, Scandal. NFL, there's got all these hothead beefing on Twitter and it really feeds into the frenzy that you get on your Sunday, you know? Here we just paint by the numbers. No, I, I agree, like, Dean. Oh, I, a good game. Both, both guys, oh, both teams played well, played hard. Yeah, I know. Uh, no, yeah, D- Dean, bit, Dean, look, I completely agree. I'll keep saying it. I say it a lot on this radio station. There's a reason why man's defeats are always on the front pages of the newspapers and man's victories are on the back. So we tend to get a lot of sport on the back and we tend to get... You know, the car crashes or the political turmoil or the tragedies always on the front pages because man has an affinity for the negative. And don't underestimate that in sport. And that's why the NRL is good. There's always a scandal, mate. I mean, rugby league, a lot of those guys, mate, if they weren't playing league, would probably end up being in jail. So they just endear themselves to off-field issues. And that might sound a bit harsh, but that's the harsh reality of it. Same in the NFL. Same in the NBA to a degree. You know, these guys are flawed. These guys come from some pretty tough and rough upbringings. And sometimes that overflows. And we have this expectation of them to be living to the highest moral code and being pure professionals. But that's not always that simple considering some of the backgrounds these guys come from, but it actually adds to the overall brand of the product. Oh, exactly. That's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Mm. And it just, yeah, it just, draw, it just draws you in as a viewer and as a follower. Mm. Um, yeah. That, no, that I love it, mate. Statistics, sort of statistics, scandal and storyline. Absolutely brilliant, Dean. Th- fantastic call. Love it. I just had a text come in that I'll address after this. It says, I totally agree with your viewpoint on New Zealand rugby, Mark. Absolutely right, but you've been down on them for years. Since the Radio Sport Days, what's the actual solution? Well, I thought I've provided some, but I will give you a quick solution when we do come back. So don't go away, texter. Two minutes away from nine. Uh, just going back to that. Uh, text. I totally agree with your viewpoint on New Zealand rugby, Mark. Absolutely right. But you have been down on them for years since the Radio Sport Days. What's the actual solution? Well, the actual solution is two things. Okay, we've got to make sure that we get the concussion issue short, sorted out. It's not a good look. A lot of mums don't want their kids playing rugby because of concussion. Get rid of rep teams at a teenage level unless you bring in wage res- weight-restricted representative teams too because the problem with rep teams is it's just big kids making them big kids who reach puberty earlier they then tend to get in the system and weight restricted rugby allows players smaller players to develop their skills knowing they can build their size later on you've got to make sure that there's good community connection between clubs and schools you need to make sure that players understand that the pecking order at school is not always going to be the pecking order in life. And as I said, because a lot of the kids that are making it at school are just simply big kids. You've got to make sure that schoolboy rugby is no longer televised. It can't be the stepping stone to higher honours because, again, all it does is cater for big kids. Club rugby needs to be televised. That would also make club rugby the stepping stone, which would make clubs in the spotlight a lot more and I think would become a more desirable pathway. You've got the MPC. In my opinion, it needs to be the premium product in this country. It's got the history and tradition of all the unions. It's got tribalism. Why wrap a bush? The likes of Thames Valley, the Swamp Foxes, whether it's you know a championship and a premiership. 
promotion relegation. It's got to have some form of private equity involved. But it should be the focus. If you are going to make the NPC a tier of New Zealand rugby, and it has always been the point of difference, we've had that extra layer of professionalism, then All Blacks need to be able to play in it. Super Rugby, have your best players playing every week, but just have a better competition. The problem with the Super Rugby at the moment is there's one or two teams and most of the games are predictable. You look at this weekend's round and the game that you're not sure who's going to win is the game between the Blues and the Chiefs, but it's the only game. I think the rest, Australian pundits will be able to pick the winners out of the Australian division and we certainly can probably pick the rest of... The New Zealand teams are probably going to dominate their opponents. The other thing you've got to have is freedom of speech. Rugby have to embrace the media. Rugby have to encourage the debate. Rugby have to be prepared to put themselves on the firing line. At the same time, endorse it when they're being celebrated. Their broadcast partner need to buy into this. They need to have opinion-driven shows. They need to be able to hold people like Mark Robertson to account in interviews, ask those heading up women's rugby the hard questions. Stop politicising it and pushing a certain agenda. That's the solution. Get bored people on who understand the essence of the product. Get rid of this gender politics, this quota system that they seem to have in place when it comes to appointments and and basically caving into the political pressure driven by a group of hardline left wing nut jobs. So if you're asking me what the solution is, that's my solution. I think it's a pretty basic blueprint. There's a lot in there that they're currently not doing. You can't just be all black heavy, and that's all this organisation is. It's just all about the all blacks. It's all about the World Cup now. So rugby's been reduced to once every four years. We're actually accepting losses now. We have all black coaches come along after a loss saying, judge me on the World Cup. So that then gives them a lifeline, and we start to accept it. That's not the all black way. That's not the all black brand. And in doing so and accepting that, you undo 120, 130 years of history. The All Black brand is about performance, precision and no compromise. That's what draws the sponsorship. That's the aura. 